Hello, hello, Third Way listeners. Uh, this month, all content on the Third Way is open. Uh, I've unblocked the firewall um, for you to enjoy it. I hope that um, something resonates with you. And when January rolls around, you'll go ahead and upgrade to a regular subscription. Um, and I hope you enjoy the content because I do. It's fun. Especially these podcasts, um, I get to talk to people that I really admire and sometimes I've known them for years and sometimes the first time I met them was like 10 minutes before we went on to hit record. And that's the case with my guest today, Barrett Self. Uh, Barrett lives in South Carolina as a meditation teacher and certified therapist and the author of the very soon to be published book, Directly Home. And I'll link to the book and Barrett's website and Instagram feed in, um, in at the in the show notes so thanks thanks for doing this with me hey man i'm happy to be here happy we could make it happen i've admired your work from a distance too i actually uh shared one of your videos with a copywriting friend of mine Uh you said two things that really i thought were great uh one was your brand is how other people experience what you believe Mm -hmm. and your mission is how you do what only you can do that's right. Yeah. I thought those were, I thought those were fantastic, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. It's part of my, and, and Emily, my business partner, we do this together of that marketers have ruined language. And so linguists and poets and writers and have to get it back. And so one of the ways you get it back is you take a term that has, you know, a thousand mushy definitions and you create one of your own. Um, it's sort of a, sort of an ontological approach to language. Um, and, it's fun. And I think, you know, what we wanted, what I'm trying to do with everything and this, even in those ideas of the brand is how other people experience what you believe is to present that there's a third way, Mm. you know? Um, so, um, so how long have you had this as a meditation teacher and, and therapist, certified therapist and the work that you do, this work that you bring to the world, you're very generous, first of all, with your content, like the things that you share are applicable and that's pretty rare in the, the space where there's a lot of platitudinalism, a lot of bullshit, a lot of like fluffy motivational things that people say, but you, um, similar to this guy, I don't know if you know, Lauren Kren in Germany. Have you followed him? I don't think I'll, so. I'll put, I'll put, I'll push his profile too. He's a young dude from Germany that talks only about divine masculine, and divine feminine stuff. But there's a similar thing with you, Vera, is that there's a depth to what you're sharing and you're doing it with generosity. And um, that's very admirable. So on the business side of what you do, how how long have you been in business? How long have you been doing this? And how do you monetize it? How do you make a living with all these gifts and skills that you've awakened and acquired? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I've been in the space sharing online for about four years now. and Honestly, when I started, it was as much a form of self-expression as anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if you take a deep dive into lived spirituality, really lived meditation, or really getting into that conscious living space, there aren't so many people, or there are a lot of pockets of the world where there aren't many people that are interested in that. I don't know how it is in Austin, but where I live, there aren't a lot of people that are interested in in taking that deep dive. And so when I started, it was kind of just a form of Mm self-expression. 
Mm. self-expression about what I was most passionate about and what I didn't feel I was able to express or talk about in my family or in my friends' relationships. Mm -hmm. So it started off as a means of self-expression, and then it quickly kind of morphed into a deep passion of mine, which wasn't just sharing about what I was interested in, but it merged with what I was interested in and how what I'm interested in can help other people, Mm -hmm. which is a beautiful place to land. And once I started seeing that, that this is what naturally I want to do, this is what naturally I feel like life wants out of me is to express what I'm most passionate about. Mm -hmm. And when it started to link up with really helping other people and I connected with other people, it kind of started going next level. As far as monetizing, I've taken more of an approach of building an audience, seeing what that audience's needs are, Mm -hmm. how I can meet those needs best and through what medium they want those needs to be met. And then the the audience dictates how I make money. Mm. The audience, because the audience dictates my products and my offerings. So I I have a long-term vision in the sense that I would love to be, to make this my primary income, Mm. but really it's more of a month by month. What is my audience telling me right now? Mm. What, what are their pain points? How are they not getting solved by similar voices in this space? And how can I start to create offerings that help them in a unique way where they haven't been helped before? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So you have this, um, you kind of remind me not, not so much just more, more in kind of your energy. You remind me of Sam Harris, if you're familiar with Sam Harris. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, in that you bring such a rational calm calmness to something that is either met suspiciously by people, especially people that are literalists, um, um, or it's met by it's, 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 um, it's met with fear. Um, yeah. of a lot of the things. And so you have this calmness about you and I'm curious, have you, have you always been kind of a grounded calm person or is that something you, you had to work towards in your own inner, in, inner journey, inner work? I think maybe other people would have characterized me as calm, mm-hmm. but internally, anything but. <laughs> I yeah. think my calmness when I was growing up was actually more of a defense mechanism, detachment. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put myself out there so mm-hmm. that I don't get hurt. Yeah. So I appear calm because I'm completely lifeless to the outside world. I'm just locked mm-hmm. in this state where I'm not going to give anything I'm not going to be in my heart and I'm probably not even going to talk much or really show up as I am. Mm. So I don't know how people may have characterized me as calm a while ago, but only in the past five to 10 years has it actually started to be a more lived experience. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's what I share about. It's all everything that I share is trying to get people to turn to meditation, right? To turn to some form of contemplation silence create Mm -hmm. some space in their life where they're not constantly doing Mm -hmm. because it wasn't until i stopped doing and actually prioritized some space for being in my life that i had some stable footing to -hmm. move from and to work from so i think that's where the calmness Mm -hmm. comes from yeah um i learned last year through my therapist who does parts therapy or internal family systems therapy of 
of the eight tenants of the core self. Um, and this idea, it's kind of a union, union, Thomas More, um, you know, Eckhart Tolle, kind of that branch of, of things that we have an intact, ver- uh, we have an intact true self. Um, and Jung believed that, that it was surrounded by psychological guard dogs, essentially. And, yeah, um, yeah. And so one of the eight C's is, is calm. Um, and it seems to be like the fruit of the root of ground being grounded and, and, and connected to you, who you really are. Um, and, you know, I still have, I still have wounds that affect my thoughts that can sometimes affect my behavior, especially as someone with ADHD and I'm highly sensitive person, you know, complex PTSD, the whole alphabet soup of, you know, Gen X trauma. <laughs> uh, I got some of those. And, I got some of those. Yeah. And so what's, what I think is interesting though, about what you, and I've learned this, a lot of this from you and reading your stuff and watching your videos is, um, it doesn't really matter what you're afraid of or what you've been through or what you're going through. You can still stop and observe it in a meditative mm-hmm. state. Mm-hmm. That's one of the great takeaways from what you teach that I've picked up. Is that accurate? Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the heart of the message. Mm. Um, I've used the analogy before that, you know, when I look in front of the room right now, I see a lot of different objects. I see this camera in front of me. I see a couple plants on the desk, mm. but what we often overlook is the space in which all of these objects are or appear. Mm-hmm. And really the objects come and go. We could have something here or somebody in this room that I really don't like mm-hmm. something in this room that leaves that I wanted it to stay or something gets broken, but nothing happens to the space. Nothing ever damages or increases the space. And we have a similar reality inside of ourselves. We have objects of thought and objects of feeling. Perhaps some of those objects are really feel really traumatic. They have a real story attached to them. Get lodged in our nervous system, and then it creates this really embodied fear response. Mm-hmm. But through meditation, we become aware that there's a similar spacious quality to us that is never increased by something that happens, and it's never decreased, even by trauma and fear. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the real calm comes from, is being in touch with that changeless, timeless essence of ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's beneath our thoughts, beneath our feelings, and that is never affected by anything that happens in the world. That doesn't mean I don't still have fear responses and get locked into them and lose my sense of self and go through different seasons where I'm, I'm back and forth. But there is, it, it is more and more met with that piece. Mm-hmm. I feel like today more than ever, I can experience fear and still have peace underneath it, experience sadness, maybe even depression, but still have peace underneath it. Yeah. I'm learning, you know, uh, that I can have a trauma response and still have peace underneath it. I never knew that was possible. And I don't like trauma responses. And, you know, when you awaken, you feel everything more greater um, than mm. you did before. Um, yeah. It's like, it's, it's kind of like turning the lights on in the room and then yeah. you see all the crap that's right. you've been living with. And I think that's especially true with conscious partnership um, and coming up on a year with my, my partner, Virginia. And we, we talk a lot about how the divine feminine 
um, brings the shadow of the, of the male ego brings the shadow out into the light. So you can deal with that shit. And I think the divine masculine does the same thing with the unhealthier versions of the female ego. Um, but it's painful. It's pain. It's painful work. And I think that's the big lesson that I wish, I wish everybody would understand that. And I'm going to go the other direction when everybody's like, it's so easy and it's only one minute a day and da da da. No, it's fucking hard. It's hard. It's hard work. And that's good. That means, that means it matters. Um, so I think what would be fun to do, I've never done this on an episode, but, and, you know, we don't really know each other, but as, uh, uh, Meister Eichert, the famous German mystic said, all mystics speak the same language. So I want to try something here, which is, um, I, 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 the way I describe mindfulness is unlearning. Mindfulness is not new learning. It's unlearning. You, you know, you're getting, uh, you're unlearning happy, unhappiness. You're unlearning, um, depression, unlearning anxiety. So let's pick something that you wish that we could, as like, if we were a, a super duo, that we could go out and change one social conditioning or one preconceived notion about the mind or about life. And let's deconstruct that as if we were coaching someone right now. Oh man. Okay. Uh, first I'll, I'll say my brand is exhale and it's because I have the same definition of mindfulness and spirituality, which is it's the journey towards that and towards healing and wholeness is letting go, mm-hmm. exhaling, releasing. It isn't about learning or coming into something new. Yeah. Um, hit me up with that question one more time. Something that we yeah. can deconstruct. Yeah. Something that we can deconstruct that's, that is a unlearning, um, uh, that, that you see in society. So society, there's societal conditioning and that leads to all kinds of suffering. Um, I think we have onboard suffering as, you know, uh, sentient beings, you know, with mammals and reptiles with a, with a neocortex, you know, God's practical joke. <laughs> and, uh, so. Yeah. So what would you want to unlearn for people? If you were to pick something to un- help them unlearn, that was sort of like going to have some sort of make a dent in the universe with, a, you know, a group of people, a mass of people. What would you, what would you tackle That's, as a social um, conditioning? Yeah. Tell me if I need to make it more tangible than this, but mm-hmm. fundamentally and what my message is kind of centered around is that you can be happy and peaceful with a very active, busy mind Mm -hmm. with a very busy mind that is, is throwing the kitchen sink of bad thoughts and bad scenarios at you. Peace is not in having an empty mind or in having positive thinking. Mm -hmm. Peace is in not identifying not having a soul identification with that mental stream. Mm-hmm. So I look at my, my friends and my family, a lot of whom know what I do and they say, I can't meditate because I have such a busy mind. So they don't even try. Right. Um, but there's this really deep seated belief in people that the mental stream, whatever's happening in my mind is what I have to become. Yeah. Yeah. Is that too, is that too, uh, no, I okay. think that's great. I think that's great. Um, it's a, um, 
there's this sort of uh wisdom ancient wisdom that's in that that you know buddha jesus buddha uh indigenous people um you know and then your your modern mystics have all sort of there's a theme to that um i think mine is similar the thing i would help want people to unlearn is um that you don't have to be anything other than who you are to receive love oh i love that one and if so if you are choosing and this goes to my i mean my libertarian views if you are choosing to be manipulated that it, you have to take ownership over your own lack of self-worth. Mm. Um, and, you know, again, I identify loosely, I don't like the word, but as a Christian, so I quote Jesus a lot, but when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what I think what that means. And I don't think people love themselves. I think that's why there's so much violence in the world and suffering. And we have this, uh, what I, what I call white people suffering, <laughs> You know, like, you know, this existential crisis of like, I've got everything that money can buy, but I don't know, I don't have any meaning in my life. You know, like the way I describe it is, is all, all means, no meaning. Um, All of that is rooted in lack of self-love. It's got nothing to do with it. Krishnamurti, an Indian philosopher said, people are unhappy because they don't have any love in their hearts. That's right. I think that's so true, man. And I think it goes back to looking at things through the, the lens or, or, or form of divine masculine, divine feminine is that I think that there's a group of us men that are connected to our hearts now. And we're the greatest threat to everything because we have the masculine sense of order and building and structures, but we got the feminine compassion and openness and nurturing. I think that makes us dangerous. Um, which I think is kind of cool. So um, it's like a, a Baker Mayfield, the quarterback for the Browns, who's from Austin said when, I, when it was, he woke said like he said to him open mic a couple of years ago, I woke up feeling dangerous. <laughs> so I think that, I think that uh, the awakened men um, are going to be great, great contributors to society and a supportive role um, to women leaders. I'm, I'm certain of that, but that divine feminine, divine masculine is on the inner thing, is an inner, is an inner aspect too, is I don't know, I think it's impossible to love yourself without connecting to your divine feminine, to your heart. I don't think you can. Otherwise, you just love yourself as an ideal or as a possession, and that's not really love. Man, I, a lot of my journey has been that exact thing, which I think I got into the meditative journey just like much more in my masculine where I'm going to conquer this. I'm going to be victorious. I'm going to silence my mind. I'm going to get this piece right. and so on and so forth. And there were strides that happened with that, but there was no, it was lifeless. Mm-hmm. It was empty because I still had no heart in it. Mm-hmm. And it was only in really beginning to open my heart and really my practice started to include a little bit more of a devotional aspect mm-hmm. to it more than just a strictly non-belief agnostic. Mm-hmm. I know nothing. Uh, that's very helpful. But when I started to incorporate a devotional aspect to God or to source or to mm-hmm. the underlying reality underneath everything, mm-hmm. yeah, that's when I really got into my heart 
And that's when I felt like I started to integrate the divine feminine into my life. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar. Very similar. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I say this at the end of almost every episode, but sometimes I'm frustrated with my, I'm irritated with my own myself that I made it a 20, 20 minute format where there's so much to talk about, but we'll, um, I would love to continue the conversation and um, I'll put all your links and everything and want to support what you're doing. I think you're doing amazing work and um, I want more people to know who you are and, and good luck with the book. I can't, I ordered a copy, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll post it when I get it. So. Thank you, Justin. Yeah. 20 minutes flies by. I'd love to, yeah. I'd love to chat again, but happy to spend some time with you. Awesome, man. Thank you. All right, brother. Thanks.